where are the areas that we need to make our platform even better from a capability standpoint to help those customers. And so there's a lot to do there, but that's long-term. Budget overruns, brick devices, data breaches, building connected products is hard. Welcome to Over the Air, sharp, unfiltered conversations with executives about their IoT journeys, the mistakes they made, the lessons they learned, and what they wish they'd known when they started. I'm your host, Ryan Prosser. Welcome back to Over the Air, IoT connected devices and the journey. My name is Ryan Prosser, CEO of Very. And today we're joined by Charlie Key, co-founder and CEO of Losant. And we're going to be talking about building a product so great, it's the most referenced product in the history of our show. More on that in a minute, though. Charlie, thanks for being on the show. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. All right. So for listeners that don't know about Losant, give us uh, 30 seconds. What are you guys up to? Yeah. So Losant is an IoT software platform that makes it easy to build and go to market with IoT products and solutions built on top of our software in the enterprise space. And so we try to make that as easy as possible for what we think about as is complex enterprise level problems and solutions. And so, you know, we're providing that software. It's important to say that we don't provide any hardware. We work with a lot of different hardware providers in the world, but we're really focused on that software side of developing and building and delivering this stuff into the world. So I mentioned this at the top of the program. I always ask guests, hey, who are some IoT companies that you think more people should be talking about? And no one has been referenced more times than Losant. So we chased you guys for months to have you on the show. Uh, really excited to have you. But what are you guys doing that's so special that's got you know everybody talking about Losant? You know, I think it, it's a combination of how we approach our product, how we approach the market, and how our team has really made it a focus around our customers. But, you know, it, it comes back to, for us, building a product that is easy to use, that is scalable, and one that, you know, we think our, our customers and, and the users love, and one that makes it life easier and, and does a lot of stuff for our customers. And so, you know, we focus a lot on that. And it's pretty, right? Yeah, you always have to have a little bit of prettiness to to sell in the, into the space. But we, we've put a lot of work into what we've done from our workflow engine on to building and delivering applications at the edge. So, you know, there's a lot of good things. It comes back to the workflow engine though. Yeah, I mean, it seems like you guys have gotten a lot of things right. It feels as an outsider, like taking complicated things and making them simpler appears to be kind of at the heart of of the Losant ethos. I don't know, am I reading that correctly? 100%. It's funny. You know, literally the first day of the company, we sat around the table. There were five of us that day. We sat around the company. We still use the process today. We built a, a, a V2 mom, which is, is a business process for... We think about that not only from a product perspective, but also from a company, company culture, company delivery, our customers to build, deliver, anything else. One of the things I love to ask is what I call the wrong side of impossible. This idea that any technology company worth its salt has solved a previously unsolved problem or it's a solved problem and they figured out a way to do it you know, better, faster, cheaper. What do you think is the wrong side of impossible for Losant? What have you guys solved or done differently that 
has distinguished you guys. And again, like people are glowing. Your customers love you guys. What have you done differently technically to distinguish yourselves? I think it's technical. I think when we started looking at building node code interface for designing and developing the processing and the logic for applications and all of these components. And so, you know, that technically those workflows every single month and have that level of reliability, be able to have our customers have four nines of uptime, have on in a small setting at small scale. And, you know, while I think we're a great tool for doing it at any level is never going to just been on the edge which is a hot word button topic is around with. Recently, we like to think about it as to our workflows and that same easy to use at scale down at that level. Uh, that's where we've innovated over the last couple of years. So we continue to press the innovation on this and, and you know, all the way to the point of, of we're trying to push that even further and we've got thoughts on where that goes. So one of the things that, you know, you guys are selling into larger companies and most small companies start out terrible at that, in my experience. <laughs> and I, <laughs> I wonder, has, was that you guys' experience? You know, because it, it seems like for what you guys do, you want to land those larger customers. Those are going to be the, the kind of a lot of the more interesting problems to be solving. But that's a hard sell. What, what does that look like for you guys? We previously had started a software company selling to developers, selling bottom-up inside of work. It was incorrect. We were selling to the wrong people. We were selling it the wrong way. We weren't talking to the right stakeholders inside of organizations. And so we weren't going to be able to product market fit in startups a lot. And if you think of it as a product fit, but we weren't fitting the right part of the market to, to be able to actually have a business that we think can grow and continue to accelerate and spend. And we had a little bit, but we needed to change from the ground up about how we thought about that. We needed to bring sales and we had to understand how we technical perspective, what kind of compliance. Uh, SOC 2, for instance, is a big one for us. We thought technically from security to organizational compliance, technical person. For us, mostly they're not. The true buyer for us probably really took a year and a half to a two years to get that process kind of figured out. But it takes time to, to figure those things, especially at the enterprise level. Yes. So you're an engineer, a software engineer by education. I think you're, if I'm correct, your co-founders are also technical in terms of background. So, you know, we have a fairly technical audience for folks out there listening and they're saying, we see this a lot. We see this a lot, a lot. They're saying, we've got the best mousetrap. Sales is going to take care of itself. This thing is just, everybody's got to have it. I don't know, you know, it's literally the best thing. Every engineer in the world thinks this. This is where it always starts, you know, and the great companies often run by engineers quickly get past that. And they realize, my God, the best mousetrap absolutely does not win. You know, in fact, I think it's rare that it does win. Charlie, the engineer, talk about lessons learned in sales. And yes, I'm a former salesman, so I am like pulling out some compliments here. But, but you know, what, what have you guys learned that you think folks out in the audience, they've got a great mousetrap they're really proud of. What are some lessons you could share about things that have worked for you guys in sales land and lessons learned, some mistakes made, things like that? Oh, there's so many. I've actually done multiple talks at multiple conferences about this topic of funneling into a large enterprise. And by relationships, I think it comes back to trust. It's trust in 
who you're buying from, the person that the mousetrap has to work. Sure, you've got to check boxes. It has to be good. And you can find your unique proposition, differentiation. You have to build your, your go-to-market around a lot of these different aspects. Many years ago, is like, if we build it, they will come, right? Like it's, and we're going to have a great game. But it never will happen like that. Funny enough, when any company to be able to, be able to build not only opportunity from that content and build organic search and all of these other from a growth perspective. So, you know, I love content. We, you know, sitting here, it's a lot of work to prudent the buying journey of the people we're selling to. I think that's also important for technical people is technical people of an engineer. Most people look at it very differently. And so being able to buy differently than me, and I have to understand how they're going to buy. And so starting with that process becomes very important. And again, it comes back to the relationships. It comes back to understanding, getting in front of people. You get your people in front of other people, you know, and think about that long and hard. Where to answer those questions, you're, you'll figure out a bunch of these things. But, you know, I think there's a bunch of different aspects, but they will come. That's right. Yeah. A lot of what you're touching on is marketing. And I've felt for years that marketing is the rocket booster that propels technology companies. I've found that this is a view shared by all engineers that understand marketing and no engineers that don't. (laughs) I wonder what your view is. You know, I'm much more in the, I believe it is the rocket ship that that makes the world go around, really. I mean, and it's not the marketing. So the problem is a lot of engineers think of marketing as we're gonna throw up a billboard, we're gonna buy, we're gonna buy some advertising package, we're gonna we're gonna put put it on the back of Times and the New York, New York Journal and whatever else it is. It's not marketing. I mean, yes, that's one part of what I would call brand awareness. Now, typically that only works for a company that already has brand awareness and money to burn, but to each their own, that's not marketing in the way we think about it, right? It's very different than the way typical engineer would approach the subject, but absolutely, it's what's going to make that growth engine hum inside of your organization. It's going to make everything have a multiplicative effect on the business and on the growth. So it always, it comes back to marketing and sales and, and where they intersect and, and, the, and the merging of these different pieces from advertising, from understanding your funnel all the way from the top to bottom across these different people. It becomes a, it becomes a data science job when you're thinking about it on one half. And, and so I find that absolutely exciting and one vitally important to, you know, making things really work. Yeah. I mean, you said data science and and that resonates with me. I, I find that when people really understand what marketing is, I think oftentimes there's a misunderstanding. They envision that it's, you know, as you said, uh, different advertising packages and billboards and, and it just isn't, you know, this is data science. This is understanding what is driving the outcomes you're looking for, oftentimes it's a uh, deal flow. You're looking for ha- quote unquote hand raisers to customers that come and say, hi, I'm interested. I'd like to learn more. You're trying to generate that and you're understanding what channels drive that with what levels of effectiveness and what levels of effectiveness are 
critical for your business. So for like at certain price points. So for those of you out in the audience, you know, understanding how many units you're looking to sell is really going to impact what marketing strategy makes sense for you. If you, if it's a very small one to $10 transaction, you know, you really don't have a lot of time for touch points. You need a funnel that's super seamless. And if you're a company that's doing multi-million dollar big deals, you know, that's, there's a lot more emphasis on educating the customer and content. You know, I think there's a lot more room for like custom content creation and things like that. And I find that often people misunderstand this. And we, we see on this show time and again, companies that have really established themselves in the IOT space generally have taken a lot of time and energy to develop a great mousetrap, but they have a deep appreciation for the fact that that only gets them halfway there, you know, and the rest of it is things like having a a marketing strategy so that when people are searching for a solution, they discover your company. And the battle for the front page of Google is a absolute knife fight every day. (laughs) (laughs) Especially if you put the word IoT in there or try to play in a general term world, it's so very hard. And so, you know, as companies, our size, we have to be very creative about how we think about those. And like you said, the difference of selling a $10 widget and selling a $100,000 piece of software is way different, right? The cost of what we're willing to pay to get, hopefully the deal, we'll call call it uh, cost of acquisition for that for simple is really, it's much, much different. And the sales cycle is probably going to be quite a bit different. So, you know, you're going to have to look at these things over time. And so these channels are become very important to be able to understand what that data looks like in those. So we could talk about this for forever. I mean, I think that it's so vitally important for engineers in the startup world to understand this. And even if you're not in sales and marketing or a founder, I think it's still important if you're on a product team to try to understand a little bit of what's making this world go around on the marketing and the sale. I mean, testify, brother, 100%. You know, I totally agree. And honestly, I mean, it's the image in which we've built our company is similar to yourself. You know, I mean, we we take the craft of engineering very seriously. You know, we solve really hard problems, but we also understand that product development shops is a crowded space, you know, and so winning that content and messaging game is a long game and it's an important one if you want to grow. It's something that we've taken taken really seriously. What's next for you guys? So tell me about the future. You guys have had a great, I think, what, five, six years so far. What's the next five or six years look like for Losan and or maybe even shorter term than that? What's coming down the pipe that you could share with us today? Yeah. So we think about We have three major strategic buckets as we look at the future of our company. This is both short, medium, and long-term is is kind of how we think about it. In the short term, you know, from a product perspective, you've got the roadmap and all of those pieces. From a medium term, you've got like uh, these big strategic projects. And from the long term, we just got like that strategic vision. Anyway, for us, there's a couple buckets that are really important. One is data. And we've talked about data a lot already today, but... If you think about IoT in general, it comes back to the data, right? If we're a hardware company, we're helping, hopefully helping people acquire that data in a certain perspective, maybe process it, analyze it. For us, we're very much on that process side, making it easier to acquire data at the edge through our edge software 
we're always trying to improve and we're going to see a lot, you're going to see a lot more ways to get data into our platform. But one of the biggest areas for us is on the AI and the ML side. That is a big area for us over the next year is making it easier for our customers to use the data that they're already collecting. And then this goes back to the simplicity part. You can already do a lot of this stuff today inside the platform, but it's a little more complex than we would like to make it for our customers. If you want to do simple anomaly detection on your data, you know, that's a, that's a fairly ch- challenging task as, it, as you would be. You would real probably need some real data people to actually help make that happen inside the platform. We want to make that as easy as a few clicks, a few, a few views, and then you've got right through some anomaly detection in, in your data sets. And so, you know, that's a big direction for us making that data that you already are collecting more usable, more valuable for you and your customers and bringing that value to light as quickly as possible. So that's a big area for us over the next year, a couple years really, but uh, you're going to start to see that stuff start to come to light over the next year. You know, this next one for us is making it easier to build, continuing where we've grown up and what we've been focused on. So making it easier to build these applications and in similar fashions that people are doing today, but continue to, to evolve that on developing user interfaces, the, putting those user interfaces out in the world for our customers. And so there's a lot there. And the last one is thinking about, and this is more on the strategic standpoint, is, is thinking about how the market is evolving. What are the areas where we need to have more capabilities to help our customers think about specific problems in supply chain and logistics and on the industrial side? Where, where are the areas that we need to make our platform even better from a capability standpoint to help those customers. And so there's a lot to do there. That's a long-term, there's a lot to do there, but that's long-term. Next question. And this is a, you know, kind of a meta component to this. So Los Santos has been the most frequently given answer to this question. And of course, that's not available to you. Who are some folks out in the IoT land? You've been in the space a long time. I imagine, you know, uh, you got a pretty wide view on things. Who are some folks you think that not enough people are talking about? So there's a few. The first one I was going to say when we were think when I was thinking about this is is Ellipsa.ai and Ellipsa.ai is a data processing AI company and they've done some really interesting stuff. You know, it doesn't necessarily be, have to be IoT data, but we've we've seen them do some interesting stuff in the in this space. And again, like working and making data more valuable is so going to be it's that next layer in kind of this this transition as companies get more and more data to work with. Uh, so that's one. Actually, I was going to say Helium, which is such an interesting company in this space just because how they've evolved over. They've been around, I think uh, they've very much evolved on how they've looked at the world all the way to now they're doing connectivity and network stuff. Is kind of an oldie but a goodie is, is Particle. And Last question, you know, for folks that enjoyed the episode today, where can they keep up with you? Yeah, certainly check us out at losan.com, but you know, hit me up on LinkedIn. Very cool. Charlie, I appreciate you being on the show today, man. Ryan, it was a pleasure, man. It was a lot of fun. And thank you guys out there in TV land for listening. Join us next time as we meet with another IoT executive to talk about what went wrong on a journey that went right. 
Over the Air is brought to you by Very. To find out more about us, head over to verypossible.com and make sure to search for Over the Air and Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere else great podcasts are found. Don't forget to click subscribe to ensure you don't miss any future episodes. On behalf of the team here at Barry, thanks for listening.